Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cozzy and Em. I'm Em. And I'm Cozzy. And welcome back to the best week of Cozzy's life. Welcome. We're not even welcome, doing welcome. Rex this week. No. We're talking about Taylor Swift. Tell me about your night. Oh my God, it was so good. Thank you for just jumping straight in. We just had a very chaotic setup. So, so let me set the scene. It's Friday afternoon. I'm getting ready. Work has been chill up until this point, up until, and I had told my work, I was like, I'm sorry, but can I please take some time in lieu? This Friday afternoon, I have like important things to do. And they were like, is it Taylor Swift? And I was like, very much so, yes. And then, so I was like, sweet, sweet, sweet. I'll get offline at like 2.30ish. Then my emails go off at 3.30. And I'm like trying to shower and like make some pasta and get ready and like sort my life out while emailing and doing things. But we get there, it's all sorted. And so to further set the scene, I'm going to the concert with my um, two best friends, Maddie and Charlie, and my other really good friend from work, Lucy. And we are going, we're meeting at my friend Eloise's, it's just like so fucking random. We're meeting at my friend Eloise's cousin's house because she's organized a hummer, like a hot pink stretch hummer to take us to the concert. I've not been in a stretch hummer since year 10 formal. I've not been in a stretch hummer. Ever. Yeah, so it was year 10 formal. We had a stretch hummer. It was white. I think everybody wanted pink, but it was we ended up getting white. But the last time <sighs> I went in a stretch hummer was with Maddie and Charlie as well for that formal. So I was like, oh, it's like closed circle. Like, look at us go. It's like hot pink inside the hummer and the top of the hummer is like pl- playboy patterned with the little bunny. And I'm like, how many people have had sex in the back of this hummer? I shudder. Oh, don't think about I it. shudder to think. But it was, yeah, it was a fun little trip out. Nice to not get the train. We just blasted Taylor the whole time. Everyone looked really good. Everyone put in like so much effort with their outfits. I was wearing like a Midnight's inspired jumpsuit from Sheen, uh, which I know morally is questionable, but I got it for $30 and I will rewear it. So that was really fun. And I just wore it with sneakers. And then Charlie wore this like fab dress that's like sheer with flowers that um, is reminiscent of what Taylor wore at the Grammys. And then Maddie wore like a purple kind of, it, she felt like a kind of purple Tinkerbell to me. So, and that was like for Speak Now. And then Lucy wore this like amazing Beckham Bridge, like pink and green, like short dress that was very like Speak Now, not Speak Now, um, like lover vibes. So we were all on very different like eras, but it, it worked as a whole. And we had like two friendship bracelets between four of us because you know how everyone wears the friendship bracelets. We had like fuck all. I tried to make one that said slut. I just didn't have enough time and enough creative um, sort of juices. The juices weren't flowing. Not for a slut bracelet. No, not for a slut bracelet. Uh, but we get we get there and it's like pissing down with rain. But it's so hot in the hummer that I'm like, honestly, I would take rain over this. Like I was sticking to the seat. And we get out. We get in. There's so many people everywhere. It's like fucking insane. It's kind of like the Hunger Games. Like we're all in like a little line, like walking, but the cops won't let us into the um like the ground yet because we were in a reserve. So it's like we weren't in the stands. So all the people in the stands were getting let in. We were not getting let in. It was totally fascist. And then we were like, oh, we'll go sus merch. We'll go sus food. Like maybe we can get merch because I didn't want much, but Charlie did. So we were like, maybe we'll go get merch. I'm really going through this like one second by one second. We were like, oh, we'll go get food. So we got some hot dogs and saw all these like amazing costumes, saw like cops trading friendship bracelets with little girls. I was like, that's blatant copaganda, but whatever. 
It is, but it's fine tonight. Yeah, I was like, I hate the cops. Uh, fuck the police, but uh, it's fine tonight. <laughs> um, everyone's welcome at Taylor Swift, even cops, even the pigs. Got our hot dogs. It's the most I've ever eaten before a concert because, you know, I have a real fear of fainting because I fainted the last time I was at a core stadium for Harry Styles, which was not a pleasant end to my evening. So I basically fucking loaded up on food and ate like a steak and a salad followed by a bowl of pasta before I left the house. Then I had four muesli bars in my bag. Plus we got hot dogs at the stadium. I was like, I will not not eat food. Uh, so that was, that was fun. We finally get into the stadium, uh, because it was like pissing down with rain and our seats were all wet, but that's fine. We get there, we make friends with some little girls who are sitting behind us. She, they gave us some friendship bracelets, which was nice. Um, they were so, they were like so professional, the friendship bracelets. Um, and when we just like sat there and, oh, and Sabrina fucking got canceled. Sabrina Carpenter got canceled. Oh, is that that night? Yeah, night one. Lightning or something? Yeah, because of the storming. And so we couldn't see her, which is really sad. That is really, really sad. I was a real, it was a real shame. Um, Because that's half the concert. Yeah, I know. I was like, I want to see her do nonsense and feather. I love nonsense and feather. But anyway, so that was, that was sad. But like for Taylor to start on time. Sabrina had to be sacrificed that sounds a lot more dramatic than it actually was but but it was very like I felt very overwhelmed getting in there because I didn't cry like the entire concert but when we first got in there I did get a little bit emotional like seeing like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh and I just felt very safe and nice and because it was all like women and girls and like boyfriends I was like it couldn't be safer at this event uh and it was seated and I feel like I never want to go to a concert again that's not seated because I just loved, <laughs> I just loved having the option. We were like on the floor. So you know how her stage is like, you know what it's how it's like that at the front and then it goes out and then it kind of goes out again and then it goes forward. So there's like a runway and then there are like we're two like on like- the Yeah, like we're on the side of the runway next yeah. to the main stage. So she like walks past us to get to like other parts of the stage but she doesn't like no one has like the most amazing view ever unless you're right in the front of the stage because she's constantly going from one bit of the stage to the other so it's like she was in our section for like part of fearless and parts of reputation and red but then she'd go to like other parts the whole time so then it was kind of annoying because then like a lot of the time she'd be further down the stage so you just couldn't see her or and you'd have to watch on the screen which was slightly irritating I was annoyed by that um but at the same time I'm like we spent enough money to be here like I couldn't we couldn't have and I felt a bit bad I had a a guilt complex about that because I was the one who got the tickets so I was like I hope everyone's enjoying themselves I'm sorry that she keeps moving down the stage but I feel like based on our section they were like the best tickets that were available I couldn't have couldn't have gotten any better that's such a real stressor though when you're the one to organize something and you have to make sure that everything goes to plan and then the night kind of ends and you're like Oh yeah, did I, have I did find it quite stressful. And then on Saturday we had like some drinks with some friends, and then um one of my friends, Scott Bastard, was like, "Oh, what did I hear about your shit Taylor Swift seats?" And I was like, "Excuse me, what do you mean my shit Taylor Swift seats?" He was like, "Yeah, I heard that it was really annoying that she like kept moving around the stage." I'm like, "Yeah, it's a fucking concert." I was like, "Don't talk to me." This stage is like three times the size of both of our houses put together. Oh my god! Like if not like four or five houses, like. Yeah, shut up. Shut up, Scott. Yeah, shut up, Scott. Why are you trying to be part of this conversation? Anyway, so that was it was slightly irritating and I did feel bad, but it was still like, it was just good. Like it was a long though. 
in like the best possible way, but in the sense of like, I was, we were all really tired and like sitting down every time she'd go off the stage just to have like a minute. And then the whole time we were just like, how does she do it every night? She's doing it again tomorrow. Like it was just such a like, I don't know how she does it. Like what the fuck? And she just looks so fit and amazing. And it was like actually very weird to see her in person. Like, you know, when you see a famous person and they're like, they're right there. Like I could see her face. That Yeah. And you're like, they're actually real. But at the same time, Taylor Swift is putting on like a three hour concert. So how can she actually be human? I know. I know. It's a robot. No, it was insane. I, yeah, I couldn't, I was like, my back is hurting. My shoulder is hurting. I'm not, I'm not Taylor Swift. I'm in, I'm in the human, but, um, it was pretty amazing. And it was what I think my favorite part of the concert was my favorite, favorite part was, so my friend, Charlie, my best friend, Charlie is the biggest Taylor Swift fan that I think I've ever met. And what's hilarious is, so all of the, you've seen the videos of the Eras tour on TikTok. We went to, I've seen them. We went to go to see the movie together. Charlie has seen nothing. Charlie has not watched any TikToks. Charlie did not see the movie. Charlie had no idea what was happening. How? I don't, like, sheer force of will. She had told me, she was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not watching anything. Like, I'm saving it. I was like, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I, I fully respect it. But when this is over, can we please watch the movie together? She was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're like, we're in there. Charlie has no idea what's about to happen. I'm like knowing everything that's about to happen. And so she's like, when's she coming out? And I'm like, no, she's, they're going to play You Don't Own Me. And then she'll come out. And then the timer will start and da, 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 da. And then um, at the beginning of Lover, there's like, you know, when before she goes into the man and she's like, Sydney, I just want to tell you, you're really making me feel like I could be the man. And it's like, I did the bit. Like I was, I said the bit and Charlie was like, how did you know that? And I was like, dude, like, God damn it. I've seen the movie twice. She does the same thing every time. And then, um, I sat down during the end of Evermore during Tolerate It, the one where she like is on the table being really angsty. Um, and Charlie was like, why are you sitting down? And I was like, I just need to like have a little minute. I was like, I'm about to be on my feet for 20 minutes uh, and I need to sit down. And she's like, but what's happening next? She's like, is it reputation? Is that why you need to sit down? Because you're going to be on your feet for 20 minutes. Is it reputation? And I was like, I don't want to tell you, but yes, it's reputation. <laughs> so she didn't know anything that was happening. And that just made it like an absolute joy to like, watch I was like watching the concert but I was like watching her watch the concert and having reactions that's actually really nice because that that's not me like if I'm going to something I want to learn everything about it beforehand and then I want to recycle and re-watch everything and like go through it all for 10 years afterwards me too I feel like it I feel like me knowing everything makes anticipation even more like I get more excited knowing everything but Charlie was like is that rare breed he's like I don't want to know anything and I'm like I, re- I wish I could be like that um, but it was very wholesome to see her be like that. And because the only thing that none of us knew was going to be the surprise songs. So that was what we were all freaking out about. And she did one song from 1989, my favorite song from 1989. She did How You Get the Girl. Uh, and then she did White Horse, which is not one that I am familiar with from Fearless. I do know White Horse. That's one of the ones that I really liked when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that so Charlie loved it when she was a kid. And I thought Charlie was going to cry. Were there lots of tears in the audience? Yeah, people were crying. I didn't cry. I, I thought that. I was going to cry during Marjorie because it's a song about her dead grandma and that really gets me. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Ah, uh, I did. I think the most emotional I got was when we walked in and Travis was there. Travis Kelsey was there, which was hilarious. I was like, as if I'm in the same stadium as Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I didn't believe that he was going to come. Everyone at work was like, he's going to be here. I was like, no, he's not. Like, stop, stop saying it. No. And then he was. 
That's so fun. I actually can't believe that he is real as well. Because oh, to no. me, um, I think it's just American people generally. They're all characters. They are. They and they're all insane. And I feel like I've, I'm going to like really generalize here. I think Americans are so annoying. Just find them a little bit irritating. I feel like it's also because Tom and I are watching Masters of the Air, which is all about American soldiers. And they keep acting like they're the ones winning World War II. And I'm like, you literally came late to this war. You come late to every war. So I feel like oh. I'm particularly anti-American at the moment. No, there's nothing like American war propaganda. Oh, so it's actually annoying. so fun. It's the same as superhero movies where they save Manhattan and the world is saved. Or zombie movies where Manhattan is deserted, so the rest of the world must be too. Yeah, oh my god. No, they're constantly in the show, they're constantly like, oh, the Brits managed to actually hit something. Ha 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 ha. And I'm like, fuck you, man. The Brits have been fighting since 1939. Anyway, we're getting off topic. But um, yeah, Travis was there, which I felt kind of, I was like, this is insane. And I think Anthony Albanese and like Katy Perry and stuff were there. Very weird. Australia, we just have no celebrity culture, so it's just like such a weird like mixture of people. But yeah, it was it was insane and I was exhausted um by the end of it. And I was yeah, as I said, I had like a real fear of fainting, so I had multiple muesli bars throughout the concert. This is a nutrient filled girl. I was full She's of I was full fainting. of food, but it didn't stop me from thinking I would faint. <laughs> um but then afterwards we um Charlie went to get merch. And we went and just like got some hot chips and chilled, got on the train home. I was in bed at home by 1.30, woke up at 11 the next morning and then just had my day. Um, but I was, I was fucked. Like my feet were dead. My back was sore. I like, I genuinely like, I know she's like an athlete, like she's conditioned to do this. But my mum was like, the next day mum called me and she was like, if I offered you a ticket to go again tonight, would you go? And I was like, I actually don't think I could. I don't know if I could put my body through that again. Like, I feel like I gave her everything. I gave her like my soul. I gave her all my energy. That's a really long time to stand and sing and dance. And and it wasn't just on. like we were singing, like we were all, it was like, you know, when you're in the car by yourself and you're just having a concert, it was like everyone else, everyone was having their own personal concert. To feel that way in an arena of tens of thousands of people, she's truly very special. She is so special. I don't know how she does. I don't know how she does. And even though I know like she puts it on, you can't help but feel like you are special. (laughs) I'm like, I know that I'm in the grand scheme of this, like we're just another arena tour on her like way to world domination. But she's like, I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend your Friday night with me. And I'm like, yeah. I am really glad I chose to spend my Friday night with you. Like, yay. This was a really casual choice I made. Like, I actually had another plan. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> I it's, not it like, it's not like me and my friends planned this many months ago and had, you know, discussions about planning it and uh, how much we would spend and where we wanted to be. And it's not like it was a totally strategic thing. It was actually very ad hoc and chill. But yeah, no, it was amazing. But you didn't go. Did you have friends who went? I had so many friends who went. I feel like really? my entire Instagram has just been snippets of the concert which has actually been really nice same I have felt a little bit jealous uh but at the same time I know that if I was there I would have maybe felt like I didn't deserve to be there just seeing my Instagram was half Taylor Swift half people saying please god does anyone have errors I know so was mine there was just like a like never-ending churn of people who still wanted tickets so I know that if I went there I would have been like someone else out there knows all the words and I have such a good conscience probably more songs than I think I do but still (laughs) yeah I feel like I knew every song there's only one 
like two songs in her set list that I really don't like. And I still sang them. What are they? I don't like Style oh, from 1999. It's, it's a cute song. I'll sing it. But I really don't like Long Live from Speak Now. And everyone loves Long Live and I don't get it. I don't know it off the top of my head. Uh, it's from Speak Now. I'm not going to sing it. Also, because I mostly don't know the words and I had to pretend like I knew the words. I also don't love the start of Red when she does like 22 and stuff. Like I like them, but at that point, that's when my energy was flagging. Fucking Maddie got a guitar pick. She just found it on the floor. Oh. Yeah, because her guitarists um like kept flicking picks at us. And then Maddie was like, what is this? And picked it up and I was like, that's a guitar pick. And she was like, is it? I don't know. I'm like, please put it in your bag. I was like, I think it is. Like we knew from, we knew from the shape, but I was like, she's like, do you think it's from the stage? Or like, is it like, what, do you think someone made it? And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's her guitarist who's like 15 feet in that direction throwing shit at us. That's insane. Because if you went to like a Led Zeppelin concert, you would not find the guitar pick. Someone would have grabbed that out of the sky. Yeah. Until the concert, everyone's like, "Ah." (laughs) I don't play guitar. Um, but yeah, it felt like insane. Like, I feel like, is this going to be like the thing where like people are, are like, I was at Woodstock. Am I going to be like in 50 years? I was at the Eros tour, kids. I think so. She is arguably the most famous woman in the world right now. That doesn't just go away. No, that's so true. We're not just going to forget about her in like 20, 30, 50 years. I know no. the world moves quickly and content and people no but if we're still like thinking about people from like over 100 years ago we're still gonna be thinking about her also her discography is like nine thousand songs oh my god that's why it went for nearly three and a half like it was nearly four hours i reckon and there were still so many that i was like oh play this tale play that but also let me sit down but that was it so it was it was a real moment i loved it i loved everything about it did it live up to everything you wanted it to be yeah it did the only thing was i was i was sad that we couldn't see her for a lot of a concert but I've got to get over that and because we did what we could do with the tickets and we paid a lot of money and but it was really fun it was just like you know like when we went to Gracie and it was just like girlhood it was like yeah it was like it just feels like a level of camaraderie like it's just cute and nice and fun yeah like people were stopping us being like oh my god love your outfits I saw about 17 other girls in the same jumpsuit as me which just made me so happy I was like oh we've all just run to Sheen haven't we yeah I feel like all the friendship bracelets like it's just like another kind of part of you know girls girls being yeah. girls and guys were there too you know boyfriends and other people who were like obsessed i would definitely want to go with girlfriends over a boyfriend they don't get it it's fun just having something to bond over we're all really passionate about it and we can all talk about it together and we're all different and we probably we might not have anything else in common but look at us all in this massive arena wearing our cutest sparkly outfits totally. is that not so fun yeah it was it was so good and like all the work chats were popping off because so many people from work were going. So it was like, people were like, what were your surprise songs? Like, da 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 send photos of your outfits. Like, it was very, it was very wholesome. But it's over now. It's so weird. I feel like I've built it up in my head so much. The come down has happened. It's happening. Yeah, but my parents are very sweet. Like, my dad sent me these really nice messages. What did he say? He was like, I sent him photos of us at the concert. And, um, and he was like, what an amazing thing to have witnessed and been part of, sung al- and sung along to, oh my goodness, world's biggest ever choir. Oh no, that's so true though. Yeah, which was really nice. And I sent him a lot of, because um, my dad's not on social media. So I sent him like a lot of pictures and videos and I, he, cause his favorite song is All Too Well. Uh, so I sent him a video of her singing All Too Well. 
Um, and my mum's favourite song is Mastermind and Love Story. So I had to like film those and I sent them to her as well. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so See, it's just nice. bonding over a thing. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. It's so cute. Yeah, it's very, it's very important. And there's always like some point of, you know, someone sometime liked something. You're always yeah. going to like, you know. Everyone knows who Taylor Swift is. Exactly. And if you don't, I'm concerned. I have seen a lot of the old um it would be like a video on Facebook or something and someone being like why is she doing all this is she even that famous like I don't even know who Taylor Swift is excuse me who I'm like okay you're fuck? adding yourself as ignorant <laughs> who says that old people on Facebook old people on Facebook need to be banned I can't cope with them I also think half of it and I'm definitely gonna rant here and I kind of want you but please. I please no 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 this was discussed previously been annoying me so much this week because naturally the Taylor Swift hate has like come to a head. Of course. And not just from boomers on Facebook, from like everyone everywhere, every news article, every TikTok, every Instagram. Oh, I know, because everything. people can't let other people enjoy stuff without having a fucking opinion about it. Which exactly. usually I'm the one having the opinion, but this time I'm like, let me fucking enjoy stuff. <laughs> and there's that. And then there's also just that like the Taylor Swift saturation has like reached its peak and people are tired. And oh, it has. We hate on things that we don't want to see anymore or that we're not a part of. Like if you're not a young girl who mm. loves to wear like sequins, like sure, maybe it sucks being alive right now. But I think there's a group of people, a big group of people who are kind of over intellectualizing Taylor Swift hate, like beyond reasonable oh, levels. Really? There's Oh, is this, did you read that piece? The one where it was like, about how she's a white feminist or something. Yeah, the exclusionary empowerment of Taylor Swift. Yeah. But I'm also like, she's a fucking white woman singing about love. She's never packaged herself as anything other than that. Yeah. Like, what do you expect? If she's packaging herself as a reggae singer and then singing about something else, then that I get, that's valid. But she's yeah, never she's never pretended to be anything else. And I think, obviously, she's far from a model of feminism. And she's... No spent most of her career making sure she's like politically palatable for her own safety but yeah, also for marketability also shit. and like she's spoken out against that yeah but then there's the business side of taylor swift where she has to market herself in a way that appeases sponsors and whatever so that is an issue oh she's a capitalist woman like this is why every five seconds she's releasing a new vinyl with a bonus track like she did at our concert and I'm like, babe, I'm not going to spend another $70 just to get one extra track. But that's what she yeah. wants. She wants you to spend like $400 on her vinyl plus like all this other stuff. Like she loves money. It's a business model. It is. I feel most of the time when people are instigating these conversations about Taylor Swift is a white feminist or Taylor Swift is a capitalist, whatever, 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 they're not actually wanting to talk about white feminism or social activism in music or the arts. They just want to like destabilize her celebrity and they just want to remind her that she's no better than anyone else like from the mainstream I think it's quite hypocritical yeah it's not about the bigger picture they just want to tear her down they're not actually willing to have a conversation about the issues that they are like glomming onto her exactly and when you're bringing someone down under the guise of social criticism when you don't believe in or care about what you're saying I think it's just annoying and I also think there's a side to it where we we do that classic thing where we displace our discomfort and we put it on someone else yeah. because we don't know how to handle the world we don't know how to navigate social issues mm. so we point at someone else and go they're actually doing it worse yeah that's actually a really good and like point. again this isn't me saying that she's exempt from conversations about this and no. obviously she would not be where she is and her business would not be where it is if she was not utterly privileged if she wasn't oh, thin 100%. white american 
wealthy. But it's also like she's got like I just find the issues of like when people are like she's just white and sings about white things and love, and I'm like, but she's never claimed to do anything other than that. And also for me, if you're using some like faux intellectual reason to justify your hate for someone when you don't care about those reasons outside of that, then you're just hating for no reason. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I feel like so much of the time it's just like thinly veiled hate. And like I get it. She has she never speaks out on issues. That's problematic. She has one of the biggest platforms in the world. Would be great if she did. But also she never does. So this is not like it's a new thing for her. So people understand that she doesn't do that. There there is the very valid criticism of Taylor Swift and there's the very real side of yeah why she doesn't use her platform better but also there's the side of you're saying that's your problem with Taylor Swift when you don't you don't actually believe that you just hate her and you need a reason that will seem valid from the outside to hate her and it's just annoying like when you're just trying to knock her down a peg but you don't actually care about bringing awareness to anything or actually changing anything it's just annoying and it's like classic fucking what's it called um tall poppy syndrome it's like yeah. you just can't stand a woman being successful. And you also just can't stand the fact that young girls like this one thing. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from Taylor Swift because I could talk about that forever. We have biopic news. Is it biopic or biopic? I say biopic. I don't like biopic. Biopic sounds like bionicles. It's a, yeah, it's a, bi- biopic. Biopic sounds, sounds crazy. Biopic we'll sounds like a sort of a transformer. I say biopic. Bio- oh my God. I think you said both. <laughs> oh my god! I said biopic. Let us know how you guys pronounce it. Anyway, but no, have... biopic sounds insane. Biopic sounds better. Biopic. But the more I'm okay. saying it, the more they sound fucking insane. So <laughs> I don't want to say any. I don't want to say it anymore. It doesn't sound like a real word. But we have biopic news because there's always biopic news. Yeah, because there's no original ideas anymore. Nothing. Nothing. Terrible. Oh, speaking of, sorry, before we move to this topic, yeah. I saw, and it was on Twitter, so Talk X, whatever, um, take it with a grain of salt, um, rumours about an American Psycho remake. And if there's one movie that does not need to be remade on this godforsaken no. earth, it's American Psycho. Anyway. Do they want to make it like a female American Psycho or something? I kind of hate that. I hate that too. Because a woman wouldn't do that. No, the whole point is that he's like a horrible misogynist asshole. I do love that movie. Like it is like insane. I I just love the scene with the business cards when he gets so mad about the business cards because that is so something. I would get so pissed off if someone didn't like my business card. Like I get it. Like I get it. And also Christian Bell did an impeccable job. Just leave it at that. Yeah, no, I don't think that needs. Oh my God, that really gives me the shits. And yeah. Chloe Sevigny, how are you supposed to recast that? Even Reese Witherspoon, I know, she's so, like, fucking unhinged. I love her. And all the guys. Jared Leto, give or take, but, like, he was fine. <laughs> the guy from uh, Sweet Home Alabama, Justin Theroux. Like, all those young guys. Irre- irreplaceable, in my opinion. Irreplaceable. And it wasn't even that long ago. It was 2000. Just feels like it was a thousand years ago. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a classic. You don't need to remake fucking it. Fucking ridiculous. Sorry. Please, no one touch it. That's all. <laughs> anyway. No original ideas. We are set to get four separate Beatles movies. One from the perspective of each Paul McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison and Ringo Starr. They'll be directed by Sam Mendes, who was behind two James Bond movies, Skyfall and Spectre, Revolutionary Road and American Beauty, which won five Oscars. I'm a huge Sam Mendes fan. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Love, love Sam Mendes. I love Skyfall. I think it's the best James Bond movie. Spectre was terrible. And I loved, it's controversial. I love American Beauty. 
great movie. Haven't it's seen a beautiful, it. It's a beautiful movie. It's it's kind of it. like it's it's weird and creepy, but at the same time, that's a good endorsement because I've seen some people saying, "Why didn't someone like Martin Scorsese get this?" A Martin Scorsese's already done a Beatles thing, and also Martin Scorsese is an American and he's to be done by an Englishman. Exactly, he's to be done by an It's insane that Sam Mendes has landed this. He has full story and music rights from the entire band or their estate. This is the f- and that's the first time that that's ever happened. It's the first time the Beatles have granted their full support for a scripted film for four scripted films, and it's backed by Sony and set for release in 2027. It's kind and of and that insane. feels like a while away. But if they're making four movies and they're keeping the cast consistent throughout each one. So they're supposed to focus on like the years before the band broke up in 1970. So it'd be like from like 67, 67-ish to 70, I'd say. Yeah. I can't imagine it'll be any earlier because there's too much ground to cover. Yeah, for most of them. I like them and I loved 1917. Great fucking movie. Have you seen 1917? I haven't seen 1917. I haven't oh seen any God. Sam Mendes. Have you, not, have you not seen Skyfall? No, I haven't seen any James oh, Bond. I love Skyfall. Skyfall is the shit. I like the song. The movie's even better, babe. The movie's okay. even better. The sure. movie is hot shit. When me, Maddie, Seb, and um, Sarah went to Scotland in 2019, we drove for like hours to find this one spot where they filmed um, Skyfall. When you watch the movie, there's a bit where they go to the Scottish Highlands and Bond and M, who's Judy Dench, get out of the car and they stand at this particular point and we found that particular point and... Um, cause Seb really wanted, we all really wanted to see it, but it was like, Seb was like, I really want to see this. And it's like in the middle of nowhere. And that's how good Skyfall is, is that we drove for hours to find a random spot in the Scottish Highlands to take a photo. I'm glad you go out of your way to find movie spots too. Because when I was in Paris, I just really wanted to find the street that Anne Hathaway. Oh my God. In the Devil Wears Prada. Did you find it? Yeah. And it leads up to the stairs that he sits on in Midnight in Paris. Oh where he God. like gets the taxi another, that takes him to other years. Another fantastic movie. When I went to Paris, I went with Chiara and she hadn't seen Amelie or maybe she had seen Amelie, but she hadn't seen The Da Vinci Code. And we went to Amelie's cafe and I, I ate creme brulee for breakfast. And she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then when we went to the Louvre, I had made, I recreated the end scene of The Da Vinci Code. And she was like, I hate you so much. <laughs> So I constantly do movie stuff. We're insufferable, but it's like fun. It's fun. I did it in LA too. It's You have to do it. What's the point of living? I mean, Sky, but you have to watch Skyfall. Oh my God. Such a good movie. Anyways. Anyway, sorry. Beatles. I think releasing four films in one year sounds like a logistical nightmare. But, and also what if like you release the first one, presumably it'll be John Lennon or Paul McCartney. They'll release one of the big ones first to like rope people in. But what if it sucks? And then we just have to like sit through three more. Well, this is sort of what I was thinking. And you know what it reminded me of? When they did the Harry Potter spin-off films, The Fantastic Beasts, and it was supposed to be like this huge thing and so many movies. And the first one came out and it was like kind of shit. I didn't know they were Harry Potter spin-off. Yeah. And all the rest of them got progressively more and more shit. And we uh. all then like, but they like invested all, Warner Brothers had invested all this money in it. So they couldn't stop it and I was just like and by the time the third one came out I was like this is the worst oopsies yeah it was really bad don't watch them if you watch Skyfall do not watch Fantastic Beasts yeah, I but, like um, Harry Potter so I will not do that but I might watch Skyfall please watch Skyfall if you if you take one thing away from this conversation please watch Skyfall but uh yeah I thought about that too I'm like what if it's really shit or if they play us and they do Ringo first and then they do like Ringo George 
Paul John. And they like work their way up to yeah the big kahunas. What yeah. Ringo's movie going to be about? It's going to be like an I'm hour so and a half excited. drum set. He's just chilling at the drums, loving life, having his little one song and album that he sings on and then marrying a Bond girl and then just having a great time. Proposal. They film it like The Office and it's whoever's playing Ringo looks at the camera. It's just yeah, the band yeah. fighting and it's Ringo. He I reckon it should be... Camera. POV of him at the drum set and they're like people <laughs> having arguments and he can't hear anything because he's drumming and he's just like la di da la di da di da like when when's it my time to sing get by with a little help from my friends like let me know actually you know what would be interesting I need mm. to see the inside of his brain when he was writing Octopus's Garden oh my god yeah or you know what would be really interesting is if each film was like a different genre so like Ringo's was like a comedy George was like a kind of um like surreal like avant-garde film and then um paul and john's is like really like marriage story drama vibes or make it unexpected john's is a comedy ringo's is like a horror yeah i'd love that ringo finding out he's not the most important member of the band just the entire time that's his realization he has an existential crisis i love that i do hope it differs the this entire series differs in some way to so we have so many like Beatles docos and like docuseries. And- I think it will differ because we haven't seen anything really dramatically. Like I remember there was a series when I was younger, but it was on like the ABC or something. So the BBC had obviously done it. It's not been any films or anything, but I'm hoping it will be good. There's been, what was it? Nowhere Boy. Oh, that's the closest we got. Best film of my life. I loved Nowhere Boy. Also bad because it's when Sam Taylor Johnson got with Aaron Johnson. When he was 18 and she was 42. But a great movie nonetheless. Um, (laughs) Anyway. But here's my question. Go. And I put this in our Google Doc and you said it was... I said it was political because it is. Have you had this conversation before though? No. Okay. Well, I've had it many times with my friends, so this is why I think it's completely normal. Who do you think is the hottest Beatle and which Beatle would you hook up with? Um, George Harrison, only correct answer. He's the hottest Beatle or he's the one you hook up with or both? Both. I'm sticking with both. He's the least yeah. annoying Beatle. Best solo career, in my personal opinion. Kind of an underdog. Luscious hair. Yeah. And like I, they're all yeah. problematic and annoying, but they are male musicians and that just comes with the territory. Mine is George. I would hook up with George. Oh, no, sorry, I think George is the hottest Beatle. I would hook up with George. Then I would like, in terms of like my ranking, would be like George. Then I got to be honest, Paul, because he's got a little twinkle in his eye. And then John and then Ringo. Because I think but I wouldn't go near John in a, for a relationship with a 10 foot pole because I think he's like tortured genius vibes but like is cock of the walk like thinks he's the most amazing person because he's John Lennon and it's like the confidence can be alluring but you know what I say about confidence it's like confidence and then it goes into arrogance and then once it gets to arrogance you can't bring it back to confidence and when you add fame to that whereas George Harrison is like the sad girl of the Beatles he's like the Phoebe Bridges of the Beatles and George was married to Patty for years and then, oh, RIP, until she went to get with Eric Clapton. Oopsies. But it's like they were married happily for years, whereas, like, John was constantly, like, fucking around on Cynthia and then got with Yoko. I mean, they were all obviously fucking around, but, like, you know, try being a man in the 60s in a band and not. But I feel like George is probably the most stable out of them. And also he wrote something, which is a beautiful song. Yes, he wrote all of my favourite songs. Yeah, I just, I personally, I just have a soft spot for Paul because Paul also wrote some of my favorite songs. Like Paul wrote I'm Down, which I love. I'm, I actually almost want to retract that. George wrote some of my favorite songs. Yeah, okay. Paul wrote my favorite favorites. What's your favorite? What are your favorite favorites? Favorite favorites? 
Of the Paul ones, I really mm. love Eleanor Rigby, naturally. Sergeant Peppers. Yeah. Hey Jude, naturally. Yesterday. Yeah. Lovely readers fun. He loves a storyline. He loves a plot in his He songs. does. He's like Cher. He's very like Cher and Dolly Parton in that way. Those two yeah. girls love plot. Whereas John Lennon's were like diverse but a bit crazy. I just can't really stand John Lennon. I've, I've got to be like, I've like God love him and all that. I couldn't do it. Yeah, but I was like, I was shocked that you were like, this is political. I was like, this is such a normal conversation for me to be having. I think you have a lot of political conversations just in your day to day. Maybe I just have really weird conversations. It's like, But it's also like, it's just so not a thing. It's like, who would you hook up with in history? I would hook up with young Stalin because he's so hot. Have you seen a photo of young Stalin? I have seen a photo of young Stalin. Yeah, like I don't think that's insane. I'm just like, you've seen the photo, you get it. That's probably, polit- I mean, that obviously is political. That is but, political. <laughs> but I don't think that it's, but also everyone I've spoken to who's seen that photo was like, yeah, I will talk up with Stalin. We'll, we'll put the photo on Instagram. Yeah, we'll, put the, we'll put the photo on Instagram. He looks like someone who lives in Newtown who would totally break your heart. Oh, definitely. If he was alive now, he'd have like patchwork tattoos. Also, this is Stalin pre him being like a dictator. So yeah, there's that too. It's like that photo of young Biden that they spread everywhere before the 2020 young election. Biden, so hot. Best propaganda. <laughs> Moving on. Give me your dream casting for this okay. series of so films. Okay, so this is really hard. Okay, so it's going to be like late 60s to 1970 Beatles. So they're not going to be like clean cut. They're going to be shaggy, long hair vibes. But they're only like, they were like 30 when they were Oh, up. they're still young, they're but still they're just young. like shaggier. And so- I feel like people looked older in the 60s. They, oh, they definitely did. When I realized how old they were in like 1968, I was like, what the fuck? They're like 40 years old. Literally. Especially because George had that hair with like the mustache and the long hair. He looks like 60. I reckon. So I couldn't think of many like young Hollywood people who were English because I feel like it's really important for this project for them to be English. Thank you for saying that. I don't want to hear any bad accents in No, 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 no. Absolutely not. No, no, no. And uh, that's why I think it's actually really good that it is Sam Mendes because you need an English person. It's like this fucking idiot who wrote a Variety article said he wanted um, Richard Linklater to do Paul, Todd Haynes to do John, Scorsese Scorsese to do George, and Greta Gerwig to do Ringo. And I'm like, they're all fucking American. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah, wrong. Like, stop trying to make fetch happen. You're not going to get an American to make a Beatles movie. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, what a dum-dum. But I reckon, okay, Paul Meskel... Paul or John, surely, surely. Yeah. Or they'll cast him as a younger version if they do flashbacks. He can sing and he does have the kind of rugged look. He Yeah. I've I've found this actually quite hard. Like I don't think any of these are real options. I thought yeah. I did think if he wasn't American, this guy's American, if he was not American, Dominic Sessa, who's that young guy who's in the holdovers as George. I saw a tweet the other day that said he looks like if Snoopy was a real boy. Yeah, it makes sense. So I think if he was if he was English, I would say um, George. And I thought, um, this is wishful thinking. I thought Callum Turner for somebody. I'm not sure who. You just want to see him. I on just want to see screen. him on, on screen. But I I couldn't really think about anyone who I thought. What did, what were your thoughts? Do you, sorry, quick side question. Do you want them to do the crown thing where they do like identical casting or as close to as possible? Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Because if they're all happening in the same year, I'd rather them change it up than do like shitty prosthetics. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's a bit of a small pool. And I and I specialize in white young men who have dark <laughs> hair, which are the Beatles. And I couldn't think of anyone. I, I could couldn't. think of people from like 10 years ago, but they're, they're too old now. Yeah, I can, all of the people I'm thinking of are in their late, 
thirties, forties, yeah. like this even fifties. Like this was my problem, and so I I didn't want to say any of them because I was was just like they're too old. Nah, I'm gonna say them because I love conversation. John Lennon, James McAvoy. I know he's famous, but I think he's severely underappreciated. But I see it, and also great English accent, and he get he'd have the arrogance of Lennon. Yes. I totally get it. Thank you. I love James McAvoy and I just want to see him in more things. Can I just say that I saw James McAvoy in a play once in London and it was one of the best nights of my life. I died that night. Yeah, fair. It was insane. I love when stars still do theatre. And you also were also kind of playing an arrogant yet romantic character. So I was like, it's perfect for Lennon. Totally get it. Next Slay. one. I'm with, you, I'm with you 100% so far. George Harrison. This one was really hard. I know. We both have a soft spot for George. Hear me out. He's shown that he can do a music theatre. Sam Claflin. I think they can make him look rugged. No, no. They can make him look rugged. He already looked rugged in Daisy Jones and everyone thought he was... Well, my friends thought he was so uggo. But that's because he was supposed to be like 20 in Daisy Jones and he looks older than he is. Oh, that's true. I like where your head's at. (laughs) I'm intrigued. I I think it could work. Oh, here's another one. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. For George. Oh, no. We've got Sam Claflin as George, James McAvoy as John Lennon. Paul, I'm loving it. This is random. This Go. is the only one that I could think of who's like young and British. Will Poulter. Ooh. I think they could dress him so up. He's so great. He's so fucking hot. I love Will Poulter. Because Paul yeah. McCartney kind of has like a flat face and like high eyebrows. I get it. That's the only young one I could think of. Last one, Ringo. And like this guy's got range. Let him cook. Tom Hardy. I'm standing by that. I'm standing by that. So he's hard. got the lips. He's got the lips. He's got of the Ringo. lips. He's got the nose. I would pay good money to see Tom Hardy as Ringo. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of genius. I like it. I think that's an I awful mean, lineup, I'd, but I'd watch it. Um, let's email Sam Mendes, please. Yeah. Or uh, another young one, mm. um, Jack O'Connell as John Lennon. Maybe. Oh my god. Oh my god. You could have a Will Poulter, Jack O'Connell. Hang on. So, Jack O'Connell, Lennon. Sam Claflin, George, Tom Hardy, Ringo. I think that's kind of insane. I kind of love that. I either want like all young or all old. So I want, yeah, like, I still want James McAvoy. Do, it's kind of hard to do it in between. I get James McAvoy for Lennon though. I 100% get it. I can imagine all of these actors like interacting with each other in a way where I'm like, yeah, that's the Beatles. Yeah. I feel like out of all of those like things that you've just said, I feel like the only one who I think would stick out to me is probably Sam. But I get it at the same time. Like, I get where your head's at with Sam. He's also, in my head, when I watch him, I just think of, like, Love, Rosie. Where I'm like, oh, he's such a sweetie. But, and that's why I found it so jarring watching Daisy Jones. I love your casting ideas. I, yeah. I'm really intrigued. Because I found that really difficult, thinking about that. It is really hard. And I also think it's hard when you have to consider four movies. Like, they're not just doing this once. They're doing this... Four and also in, like for it to come out in like three years. So you have to think about people's schedules, what they look like. Do they age? Like people do age rapidly more than other people. But if they're making four movies, they have to like start ASAP. soon. Like yeah. now. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk as well because we both are very invested in casting. And I think it's a really important conversation to have. And I think that the Oscars are also recognizing this because it's been announced that there's going to be a new competitive Oscars category for best achievement in casting. So this will start in next year. Uh, it will begin at the 98th so annual ceremony for films released in 2025. And this is the first new category created by the Academy since 2001, which was for best animated feature film. 
which I think is huge, which I can't believe it only took them till 2001 to do. Yeah. Um, insane. But yeah, it, there, apparently there was a big push in the late 90s for casting directors to have their own Oscar. Um, and now there's a new push for to add like a category for stunts, which I do actually get because I think stunt people do not get their due and they put their bodies on the line every day. But very exciting for casting. Yeah, I think casting so so much more important than we realise. I think so. And I always feel like whenever I watch movies, there are always two casting directors that I always see. And then I'm like, of course they did this movie because it's like such a great movie. It's always um, it's always Fiona Weir and it's always um, it's, who is it? Fiona Weir and Lucy Bevan. Whenever I watch movies that are done by Fiona Weir or Lucy Bevan, I'm like, it's going to be a cracker. What have always. they done? They've done like Pride and Prejudice, ah. Atonement, checks out, like Nanny McPhee, oh. um, the Batman, Barbie. So this is Lucy Bevan. She's done A Haunting in Venice, Barbie, uh, Matilda the Musical, Anatomy of Scandal, The Batman, Death on the Nile, Cruella, Belfa- Belfast, Belfast, Cats. Obviously, we won't talk about Cats. Um, Murder on the Orient Express. Like so many movies. Um, and then Fiona Weir's done like Pain Hustlers, Emily, Ammonite, Brooklyn, About Time. She's done like Harry, the Harry Potters, some of the Harry Potters. Um, and she's done a lot with Richard Curtis. But I wanted to ask you, are there any films that you can think of that have perfect casting in your opinion? I cannot think of a single movie that I've ever watched. Well, I think that The Talented Mr. Ripley um, is perfect casting. Those yes. three main roles Gwyneth Jude Law Matt Damon and Philip Seymour Hoffman I think was perfect I think the five sisters in Pride and Prejudice 2005 were perfect yes and they're still perfect they could do that movie now 100% and I think and I do think that I know you're not a Harry Potter girl but I do really think that the first Harry Potter film like all the professors and everything was like I couldn't imagine anyone else in those roles I couldn't imagine like someone else playing Professor McGonagall or Hagrid or something but my the two biggest ones that that have stayed with me actually both Richard Curtis films Four Weddings and a Funeral and Notting Hill I think they cast particularly the groups of friends so well I believe that they're all still friends yes Yes. like particularly I would say I prefer Four Weddings and a Funeral as a film but I think that the friends in Notting Hill when they have that dinner party and he brings Julia Roberts to the dinner party. I'm like, that's just them having a party. There's nothing. They weren't even scripted. Like the dynamics, the individual relationships, the the whole thing I thought was like, I just think it's beautifully done. And I think the same with Four Weddings and a Funeral. Like, you know, Kristen's got Thomas and Hugh Grant's dynamic. And then you've got like, oh, I can't even remember all their names, but you've just got all the different kind of people and yeah. the way they interact. I just think it's so well done. I, I haven't thought about Notting... No, I did think about Notting Hill recently because um, what's his name? Um, one of the friends, Tim McInerney, is in One Day. Oh, yeah. I love Tim McInerney. See, I thought he was fantastic in Notting Hill when he's like driving the car and then because he's Bella, his wife's in the wheelchair and she's like, no, I'm not going to come. And he's like, not bloody likely and puts her in the car. Beautiful. Amazing. Beautifully done. Okay, I've thought of a movie that I really, really like. Okay, talk to me. The casting of, and I, I know that they're a duo, but Goodwill Hunting. Oh, fantastic. You can't Perfectly cast. The I dynamics between agree. those people. Also, one of the best movies on earth. And Minnie Driver as um, Skylar couldn't, couldn't cast her as Could mother. Could not get better. 
could not get better. Couldn't do it. You couldn't. You couldn't do it. And all the all the best friends like Casey Affleck, Cole Hauser, all of them. It's because they were, and also because they were best friends. It's like you can't replicate that dynamic. So well done. I completely agree with you. And Robin Williams as Sean, Stellan Skarsgård as the smarmy maths guy, literally perfect. Oh, so good. I and I personally think one of Ben Affleck's better roles, even though he's just like, it's not a big role. But it packs a fucking punch. His best, in my opinion. He oh, yeah. I love that He peaked that in movie. his first movie. He, he did peak in his first movie. I, I'm going to back that. Another one that I've just thought of, which is such a cheap one, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Fantastic. Perfect The rom-coms casting. did it. Yeah. Catherine Hahn, amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, Cast my her God. in everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even, like, his friends, amazing. Her yes. two best Yeah, Catherine Hahn and the other friend. Like, the one who's, like, drama, drama, drama. Amazing. <laughs> exactly. Amazing and Matthew McConaughey and and Kate Hudson. You couldn't write that chemistry. You can't make that up. No, you can't. No, no, no. I think that the rom-coms of the 2000s, they were like all smoking crack or something because the shit that they were just coming up with for casting, beautiful. Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner in 13 Going on 30. Don't even try to recast it. Incredible. You can't. You can't do it. You just can't recast it. You can't do it. Also, another one, Enchanted. Amy Adams. I... Fucking love Enchanted. How Susan Sarandon. Patrick Dempsey. Such a good movie. James Marston. James Marston as the prince. Never touch him. Adina Menzel as Nancy the stepmother. <laughs> Amazing. Gorgeous. You literally cannot get better than that. Okay, they're my free also, Okay, and I'll also say from a TV perspective, this is I'm biased because it's one of my favorite TV shows, but I've got to be honest, Ugly Betty, you could not recast any of those. They're all yeah. perfect. Perfect, perfect. And, and Gossip Girl too, I've got to be honest. Yeah, Gossip Girl, you can't recast that ever. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Okay, let's cast, our, let's cast our own movie. Let's make our own movie. Anyway, speaking of actors. Yes. Oh my God. So another, another weekend, another awards show. So this week it was the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which is very exciting. Um, this is, you know, just another, another event that all of our favorite people are at. So it's film and TV. Uh, and it's super was super exciting because our three of our favorite people in the world who started one of our favorite movies reunited so Anne Hathaway Meryl Streep and Emily Blunt reunited uh to present best actor in a comedy series obviously the three of them were last on screen together in The Devil Wears Prada and it was very very fun it was like they did a bit on stage like Meryl Streep went up to um present but then she'd forgotten her glasses and the envelope and then Emily and Anne like came in on either side and like had both of them like reprising their roles as her assistants um which was very cute and everyone was freaking out because Anne Hathaway wore this like blue Versace dress and everyone was like oh my god it's Cerulean and I'm I was like it's not actually Cerulean but whatever I'll give it to you it's cobalt yeah I was like it's cobalt she's wearing blue whatever um but everyone got very excited about that um and she looked amazing as always I always also thought Emily Blunt looked great because I really hated what she wore at the Golden Globes yeah, she looked amazing in red. She looked gorgeous. But it was really, it was a great ceremony because um, Fran Drescher came out because it, it's the SAG Awards. So it's all to do with like everyone who's in the Screen Actors Guild. And obviously they were on um, strike earlier this year. And Fran Drescher, who is the president of um, sag After, came out and did a rousing speech, as she tends to do. She's so dramatic. I love her. Uh, she says, your solidarity ignited workers around the world, triggering what forever will be remembered as the hot labor summer. 
So it was very kind of fun. Barbara Streisand received the Screen Actors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award, which was presented by Jennifer Aniston and Bradley Cooper, which I felt was a bit of a random duo, but there you go. And people were tearing up for her speech. Um, and that's come off the back of her biography that she released earlier in the year. It's a book. But it was just like a good vibe. The Bear won loads again. A succession didn't win as much as we thought. Thoughts on Pedro Pascal winning over Matthew McFadden? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Look, I loved him in The Last of Us. I loved that show. And good for him to be able to have his little moment because Matthew had already won. Yeah. Matthew, if Matthew hadn't won the other, if Matthew hadn't won like a Golden Globe and the other things, I would have been upset if Pedro had won. But I feel like Matthew's got his laurels. You know what I mean? Yeah. And The Last of Us was like an amazing program. And I thought that was good. And Elizabeth Debicki won over Sarah Snook as well, I think. Yeah. Interesting. I love her. I do love her. But I, I didn't just... love the crown. I didn't love the crown. I was surprised at that. Um, but, you know, we love an Australian to win. I don't usually, but I'm happy for her because I love her. Did you like her dress? I thought I thought she looked beautiful. She, she looked like an ice princess. Yeah, she looked. She, I think she always looks good. She accepted the award without shoes on because they got caught in her dress. I, I think she always looks beautiful. It's a rare day when she when I don't like what she wears. I've got to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what did you think about the red carpet overall? Because I saw a lot of people saying they didn't love it. I quite liked it. There were some absolute standouts. I didn't like Anne Hathaway's. It had this like, it was very 2013. Was the belt. Had, like a big I didn't, buckle. I didn't like the belt. I would have liked it yeah. if it didn't have a belt. Massive standout was Carrie Mulligan. Loved in Armani. She looked like an Oscars trophy. Like uh, she was wearing an Armani Privé strapless. It was like sculptural. Yeah. And it was this golden, champagne iridescent... Oh, it was amazing. She always, also someone else who I think always looks good. I loved oh, her. Absolutely. I loved Brie Larson in um, that sort of two-piece peachy outfit. She's fucking ripped. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, she looked really good. I didn't really love the dress. I, yeah, I think it's like she wore it really well. I think if someone else had worn it, I wouldn't have liked it. But I think she carried it off really well. On the volume front. I loved Io. I was going to say, did you like Io? I loved Io. Always. It was amazing. I love gingham or like gingham or tartan or whatever. Check on a red carpet. Really fun. I think it's cute. I also, who was the other one that I really liked? I liked for once what America Ferrara wore. Yes. Because I fucking hate everything she wears because Carla Welsh is my number one enemy. Uh, Her stylist. She just constantly puts her in shit. Um, I thought she looked great. Hated what Margot wore. That was Boring. That was weird. That was weird, Scaparelli. It's like a, yeah, like a black mini dress with this pink thing. Another one I loved was, and again, second shout out this episode, Catherine Hahn. I didn't love what she wore. I really liked it. I thought she looked beautiful. I thought she looked I beautiful. I just didn't like the dress. The sheer kind of like glove things with the sheer shoes and then just the very minimal dress. I liked it. I thought she looked lovely. Greta Lee didn't like. She was in the row. Yeah, I didn't love it. Danielle didn't do well with that one for once. No, and I usually like the own. Like, you don't usually see them on a red carpet, but this was just a bit funny. Yeah, I didn't love. Yeah, I thought it was quite quite a nice red carpet. The men were just... Killian Murphy looked great. Killian Murphy looked great. All the other men looked the same, in my opinion. Oh, no, I really liked what... Oh, my God, I can't remember his name. The guy from Abbott Elementary. I thought he looked really good. He was wearing an ice blue suit. Quite similar to Elizabeth Debicki, actually. Um, but it was a suit. It was, oh, what's his name? Jeremy something. Tyler, no, Tyler James Williams. I thought he looked really good. But yeah, the SAGs were fun. Another another award show down as we count down to the Oscars. And then the biggest day of our year, the Met Gala. 
great time to have a podcast. Oh, a great time. But thank you so much for hanging with us this week. We love having you here. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed the big Taylor, my big Taylor debrief. Thank you, Emily, for being a good sport as I recounted the minutiae of the evening. I loved hearing about your Taylor evening. Thank, thank you. Thank you for regaling us with the girlhood of girlhood. Thank you for putting up with it. And um, let us know which Beatles that you would want to hook up with. Who do you think is the hottest Beatle? Yeah, we'll put a um, thing on our Instagram story. Come and tell us. Tell us ideal casting too. Yeah, ideal casting and which Beatle you'd fuck. Let us know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that. Yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for being with us another week. Um, And that's all. Love it. That's all. All right. Catch ya. Bye. Bye.